to be her friend, actually, because she just, if you're around her, she just really validates who you are as a person. And, and, and really, sometimes, you know, you feel like you have things going on inside and you don't really even know what's going on inside. And Susan sometimes gives you language for, um, for that and, and just really sees me and hears me and is really present with me, which is kind of rare sometimes, really listens to my heart and, and just fun <laughs> too, lots of fun. So just welcome Susan Folkler. Okay, if I'm over here, only because uh, um, I have to make sure I'm actually where I'm supposed to be. <laughs> so I don't have to crank my head around like that. I can stay more looking at you guys. Is that okay? Awesome. Okay. <sighs> well, thank you. And thank you. Wow, Dave, that was like exactly, exactly my heart. My heart is always, you know, I spent years in a very intellectual church where it was, we had a lot up here, right? You had all that stuff up here. And it never satisfied. It just never did much. It, it didn't change our lives. You can have all the information you want in your head. And um, if it only goes that deep, you're just, your life's dry, right? Your life's dry. Your life seems without meaning, but you get it into the heart. That changes everything. And I know that is what we're all about here at Blazing Fire. And that's kind of where we're going tonight. So, yeah. So, right on, David. Right on. So, um, I'll just pray before we get going, though. So, Jesus, I, I do pray that prayer. And I'm just so grateful to you, God, that you... You love us. You love us. You want these breakthroughs for us more than we want them for ourselves. You want us to rise and shine and become the sons and daughters of the living God. You already know us to be. <laughs> and we're just getting these, these images and these senses of things. So I guess tonight, God, would you help get us further on that journey, deeper into you, more uh, completed in who we know we are in you, God. I thank you just, just for the wonder and awe of each and every person in this room. That you you did you did you did really good, God. You really you did really good. When you made each one of us, you did really good. And I pray for those who don't quite own that yet. Um, that tonight they'd be able to own that a little bit more. That he really did good. When he made you. Yeah. So thank you, Jesus. So, um, speaking of doing good, <laughs> we became grandparents a little over a month ago. And that's little Lila Grace Folkler up there. That's her, um, you know, her premiere screening on the big screen, right? <laughs> I tell you, it wrecked me having a grandchild because it took me back to when we had our kids and I was, I'll tell you, we were clueless. 
really we were. I know you, you, people look at us and go, oh, you guys must have been such wonderful, amazing parents. No, we were pretty clueless. Again, we were, you know, intellectual Christians, really. It was here in their head, not our heart. We didn't know how precious they were. We didn't know how they were already spiritual beings. We just didn't know all that stuff. But now I like look at her and I am wrecked. I am wrecked when I look at this little one. And I am wrecked when my, I see my son looking at his little baby and adoring her. That just wrecks me. <sighs> I'm so proud of him and his wife, Lindsay, because they just love that little girl so much. So, but before we get started, I want us to just to do one little thing tonight. Is that okay? I want you just to pair off with one other person. Is that okay? It's going to be fast and simple. This will be just one person. Just sit next to one person. And this is what we're going to do. I want one person to start. Okay, one person start. Decide who's going to start. And I want you to look at the person in the eyes next to you. And I want you to say, you are the apple of God's eyes. Okay, now, okay, now I want you to say it again. And I want you to say it from a deeper place. You are the apple of God's eyes. And now I want you to say it a third time. You are the apple of God's eyes. Okay, now let's turn it around. The other person's going to say it. Now look in their eyes. I know, it might feel a little uncomfortable, I know. You are the apple of God's eyes. Listen with your heart. You are the apple of God's eyes. And one more time. You are the apple of God's eyes. Yeah, you are. What do you think, you guys? <laughs> because when, when my son Nathan looks at little Lila, she's the apple of his eye, let me tell you. She, he, I've never, yeah, I have never seen him. So... So Twitter painted, <laughs> so in love. I mean, he loves his wife like crazy, but this little girl does something to his heart. And um, we do that to God's heart, you guys. And he wants to get us to the place where he does that for us. Yeah. So we're going to talk about some of that stuff today. We're going to talk about heart. I will tell you, when, uh, when I first became a Christian, if somebody would have said that to me, I would have gotten it about this deep, right? Like, my head would have gotten that. 
Yeah. And um, over time, it got down deeper, deeper, deeper. But I, I, I still know I don't quite have it all the way down. Do you know what I mean? I know there's still parts of my heart that don't fully believe that. And I think for all of us, I'm, you know, just, I'm just going to be honest with you. That's okay. I think that's the journey we have in God. That is the going from glory to glory he's invited us into. Hey, that the revelation we get into who he is and how much he adores us and loves us is an adventure. You know, once we're in heaven, it's going to be like all out there. But here, the adventure is discovering who he is in us, who we are in him. And the adventure never ends. It doesn't stop. I get that question a lot, you know, because I do the Sozo ministry a lot. Well, when am I done? (laughs) And no, we're not, I don't think we ever get done. I don't think we ever get finished in terms of unfolding ourselves into him and him unfolding himself into us. I do think we might get to the place where we're through feeling tormented all the time. Absolutely. And you know what I mean? I mean, let's be real. We, We get there, or at least when stuff comes, like, Todd was sharing tonight. We know what to do about it. We absolutely, because this is just the way it is. On this, in this, in this world, we will have tribulation. It, it is, it's not always a, you know, walk in the park. But we're going to get to the place where we're more and more and more victorious. So, what I want to talk about tonight is navigating your heart getting more and more comfortable with getting in there because that's where God wants to go. I believe it's true. Um, I know when Leif Hetland was here, how many of you remember when he was here like about a year and a half ago, he talked a lot about the orphan spirit and he talked a lot about black hole, that we all have a black hole in our heart. And I think it's true that there's this way in which we can have parts of our heart that aren't fully inhabited. Now, I don't know exactly how that works, whether that means God's not, I don't know how that works, but it just, there's part of our hearts that feel empty. Let me just leave it at that. Does that make sense? There are parts of our heart that just feel empty. Don't know exactly what that, why, but um, we will have those things filled with something. We will seek to have them filled Our goal, of course, is to let God in there. But it's often we need to learn how to make that happen. And we do learn an awful lot about who God is from how we were raised, our normal. um, It's just kind of what it is. We learn to wall off, not let people get into our hearts because they might hurt us. Um, we learn to pretend, we learn to become chameleons and do what we think people want us to do. There's lots of stuff like that we learn. Um, But the beautiful and amazing thing is God already knows who you are, down to the very core of your being. And he's excited about who you are. Even with all the kind of stuff on the surface, he sees right through that stuff. He already knows. He's already with you. He's already for you in all that stuff. And who you're becoming. So, this is a little slide of 
whitewater rafting. Anybody ever gone whitewater rafting? It's a lot of fun. But how many of you know, anybody gone whitewater rafting? You, you want to have a guide with you? Do you want to know why you have, want to have a guide with you? <laughs> exactly. Keep you alive. Because I still remember... It was, it was a lot of fun, but they know where all those rocks are hiding down there. And they'll every so often, they'll say, now paddle like crazy. And you're going, uh, sounds like we better paddle like crazy. We're not quite sure why. We would just do whatever they told us we would do. I, the point I'm trying to make is when we try and do our heart stuff by ourselves, it does not go well. So we don't know how to bring life in there. We want to go with God when we do these things. When we, because we get we get stuck if we kind of kind of do that processing all by ourselves. We tend to just get stuck. We tend to hit dead ends, and we do that because it's sometimes hard to learn to accept help. It's sometimes hard to believe He could really care that much that He would really, really like to sit down and process this with us. And because we may have had moms and dads that didn't do that with us. We need to learn how to let him in to the parts that hurt. Now, speaking for myself, I was raised in, a, in an environment where there was very little, well, pretty much no tenderness, no affection or compassion or affirmation. I was raised with a lot of um, sarcasm and criticism. So that, for me, was normal. I can remember being a little kid, though, and, and believing I could do anything. And, you know, I believed if I ran fast enough, I would be flying. I mean, I just can, can still remember feeling that way. But then at some point, I got just shut down and shut down and told, no, you can't. Why are you doing that? And, and give it, you know, anyway, after a time, I just kind of gave up and quit and walled off and shut down. And I had such a sense of... I am just not worth anything. It just felt like my identity must, it must be true. What they are saying must be true. And I can, I can really identify with what, this fe- what it feels like to have that black hole on the inside. I remember feeling so empty on the inside. Um, I actually ended up with a, an eating disorder for quite a long time because I felt so empty on the inside. And I was so ashamed, so ashamed. I didn't know, I didn't know that I could even go to anybody. I never even told anybody about it, not even my husband for years, actually. Because <laughs> I was so ashamed. But I want to tell you, the problem really wasn't my behavior, what I did. The problem is the empty place. We all have that empty place. So whether we mm, drink alcohol, whether it's pornography, whether it's too much video gaming, whatever it is, um, that's just fruit of the empty place inside. The empty place that God (laughs) is so hungry to fill inside of you. Sometimes we get so focused on the behavior we don't like in ourselves We get so focused on that, we try and fix that part out there. Not the problem, you guys. Ask anybody who's done to AA. That's not the problem out there, is it? No, that's not the problem. This, 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 this part of you trying so hard 
to make yourself feel okay about yourself is the problem. And you need to get that. You must get that in relationship, in connection with God. You must in healthy, wholesome, truth-based, loving connection with God is the only thing that's going to fill that void, really. And he will. And he loves to. And it is his great joy. So we, we do these behaviors. The fruit of that being so empty is we start criticizing or complaining. We get angry. We justify, right? We... We tease each other. Um, sometimes, I mean, I was I was the queen of avoiding and, and denial, and just I would re, I would just withdraw. That was what I used to always do to feel safe. It's not safe feeling around people. It's not wasn't safe for me to share what was really going on inside. I would just pull back, withdraw, hide, and with a book. <laughs> for me, that was my safe place to be. Um, but the good news. God is going to meet you at every place where you feel that, that, that yawning abyss, that yearning inside to be met. Because we need it. And that's really what I want to talk a lot about tonight, is our felt needs of our heart. Because sometimes we think that having felt needs means there's something wrong. That we shouldn't have needs. We, we do. We need. We have needs. God, God created you to have needs. He created you to have to need him. He created you to have to need one another, fellowship, right? Orphans die if they're given no fellowship when they're, early, when they're young enough. Babies, babies that aren't held, babies that aren't given attention, contact, they will just die just like that. And you need, you need that. It's okay to be, mm, I need you, God. I got to have you inside of you. You, it, it, that's okay. It's okay to kind of put that pull on God's heart. Now, it's not like we're having to convince them, but it's something it does inside of us when we really get in touch with how much we need him. Does that make sense? It's not about convincing him of anything. He's already convinced. <laughs> but getting in touch with the very need of your own heart sort of helps you move the walls you don't even know are there. It helps move those walls out of the way that you don't, you don't even know they're there. I don't, I often don't know they're there. Why, you know, why is it hard to connect with God sometimes? It's because typically we do have something in the way here and we don't always know it's there, but we let ourselves get in touch with our need. It's like, Oh, that's helping. Thank you, Jesus. So I thought I was doing pretty good at this thing of God's presence and um, receiving from him until Russ got sick a few years ago. I think I know a lot of you remember that he was he was deathly he was very close to death for for weeks and weeks and weeks. Nobody none of the doctors thought he was going to survive for weeks and weeks. He was on a ventilator, very very sick. And when that happened, I suddenly came face to face with the fact, man. I really don't know how to receive compassion and tenderness directly from God very well. And I need that right now. And I don't know how to receive it because I was used to knowing how to receive it from Russ. But I had like, gosh, God, I did not know this about myself. 
But it did. It made me go face to face with, wow, I really need you to be next to me, holding me, letting me know it's going to be okay, letting me know that you're going to always be with me. Because I don't have that at a deep enough level yet. So I'm still, I'll be honest, I'm still in process of learning to get that in deeper. It was, it was a really good lesson to me. Yeah. I tell you, and the more we start receiving from him, the bigger our hearts start getting, the greater our capacity is for more of him. So I want to talk a little bit about these needs of our heart. There, there, oops, whoops, there it is. Yes, our hearts need to be nurtured in order to come fully to life. Um, and I want to talk about the, I think there's two specific qualities that we really need in particular to feel safe letting our hearts come out. One is to feel like we're protected, to feel like we are safe. The scriptures are full of references. David talks about all over and over again about having a safe place, the fortress of the Lord, and you know, being safe in his in the stronghold. Over and over we read, it's it's a place we run to, it's where we need to be. So you have a bad day at work, something happens in a close relationship, your heart's hurting, you want to have a place to go to where you know God will meet you. Where you know his tender, his, his faithfulness. He will be faithful. He will meet you. He will never leave you. He'll be right there. It's very, I, that's an important thing to realize. We have that need. You all need, we all need to know that we are safe, that he will take care of us, that he will protect us. Children, little children, they need to know that mommy or daddy's going to be there when they need them. Or it really, um, it really wounds their hearts if they are, you know, have a mom or dad they can't rely on, they can't depend on. Um, the other thing we really need from is we need to feel compassion. We need to feel somebody there connecting, relating, identifying with who we are. And I want to read from Psalm um, 139. This is a Psalm of David. Talk about somebody who really... I think this is why God, David was a man after God's own heart. It wasn't because he was perfect, because he messed up a lot. But it was because he just needed God so bad. He was just like every part of his life, he wanted God to be there with him in every part of his life. Um, so Psalm 139, this is David. It's getting a revelation about who God really is for him. You know, God, when I sit down or stand up, you know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me. Let's see. You comprehend my path and my lying down, and you are acquainted with all my ways. There is not a word on my tongue. You do not... Um, but behold, O oh Lord, you know it altogether. You've hedged me behind and before where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. And if I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I'm having a bad day, you're with me. If I really blow it and I yell at my kids, you're with me. If I really mess up and I... I 
I honk at somebody and get impatient with somebody in traffic. You're with me. You're with me in my worst moments. You're with me in my best moments when I'm worshiping and dancing all over the place at church. And you're with me when I forget to read my Bible for three days in a row. (laughs) You can't have a bad attitude or a negative emotion that he would not be willing to be with you with. And it's hard. I'm, I'm not, it's not, it's hard to know how to get him there. That's for sure. But let me guarantee you, he is willing to be there with you. Of course, we know what happens. The minute you let him in, suddenly it all changes. But he'll be there with you. Say, yeah, I get it. I know how you feel because Isaiah 53 says, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. You see, Jesus did definitely, I mean, he died for our sins. There's no question about that. But he did a lot more than dying for our sins. He took our punishment. He took our punishment. You know, he could have been hung, he could have been shot, he was, he was tortured because he knows all the torture we all go through, all the torment we all go through, he goes I get it, I get what that would felt like, I get what it feels like to be utterly rejected I get it because I faced it so he can meet you right where you need to be met he absolutely can meet you right where you can be met But the glory, the glory of how he does that, you see, he'll go down in your pit with you. But he has one hand in heaven saying, at any time you want to climb up me into heaven, I'm here. He can relate with where you are, but of course, it's with the hope of things are so much better on the other side. I can understand why you're feeling that way. I get it. I, I see how it all happened every step along the way. I, I totally get that. But just look here. Look here. I am not defining you of ha- about, by how you're feeling or what you're going through right now. I do not define you that way. I define you on who I really see you are in the core of your being. That's how I define you. And that's what he's looking at with his eye. Hey! And that's what he's looking at when he sees you with his eyes. He's looking at. It's what he's looking at. He's not bothered by that stuff. That does not ruin his day, okay? I know we think that, oh, Jesus is so disappointed in me. You cannot disappoint him. Disappointment does not linger in the kingdom of heaven. Now, he will always hope the best for you, always. Always, always, always. He'll like, oh man, it's going to be so good when you really get the revelation of who you really are. And it's going to be so good when you start understanding how much I love you, how much I'm for you. But you can't disappoint him. Does, do you understand the difference there? Because he can't leave you or forsake you. 
He can't reject you. He can't. There is no rejection in the kingdom of heaven. That only exists here on this plane, that rejection thing. The heart of God cannot reject. It can only accept you with unconditional love. Hope, hope, dream dreams for you beyond your wildest imagination. And he never stops dreaming and hoping no matter what. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that amazing? It is hard to, yeah. Brains can't get it, but I'm, I'm just, what, hearts, come on hearts. Hearts, you can grip holes because our brains are going, yeah, this is too good. Yeah, it is. It really is. This is way too good. He is too good to be true. It's for sure. But he is. That's the amazing thing, isn't it? He knows how to connect with us. He knows to meet how to meet us where we are. Psalm 139, towards the end, 23 and verses 23, 24. Search me and know my heart, Lord. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there is any wicked way in me. Now, I'll tell you, most translations say wicked, but it really is not a good translation. It should be grieving or sorrowful, hurting. That's the more accurate translation in that Hebrew word. Hurting. How about that? Because he knows if there is anything wicked or sinful, you know why? Because there's something hurting. He's focused on the hurting. Because he wants to minister to the hurt. (laughs) He wants to bring his compassion and his protection into your hurting part. That's what he wants to do. So we learn to trust God. Sometimes we get really hung up on wanting to, you know, I need to learn to trust God more. I need to learn to trust God more. We, we don't ever learn it in one big giant step forward. It's going to be in little pieces, little by little by little by little by little. You start learning to trust him with your heart. Little pieces, little pieces at a time. I had... Um, I work as a physician assistant in a family practice. And um, my favorite thing is when people come in with depression or anxiety because then they're usually willing to um, to kind of go there with God. Usually. In fact, it was pretty fun this week. I had this one woman come in, a patient, I, somebody who used to be a patient of ours, and now she's gone to another um, health insurance so couldn't come to see us or had had to pay actually to come in and see us but was getting very frustrated with um, the care she was getting at this other place but she came into me and she looked at me and she said because she knew me a little bit and her daughter had known me I need a spiritual healing isn't that fun how fun is that so she paid money to come in for a spiritual healing I'm like that's good God I like that because she knew what they were doing was not helping her. She was like, I need God. And she did. She, it was great. She, she's Christian but hadn't really experienced God. He had her walking in heavenly places. That was very fun. Um, but I had this, uh, this other young woman came in recently. And um, she had just gotten some devastating news. She had just found out that her, her dad, who she just adored her dad, had stage four cancer. And she just got this news. And dad was like the, you know, the backbone of the whole family. It's a very, very dysfunctional family. She was like the youngest child of 
of, of a large family. And I think mom was an alcoholic and just a lot of dysfunction. And she just felt the weight of be, being the responsible one and everybody else's, a lot of ment- mental illness. And um, so when she heard this news about her dad, she just, she, she just flipped out and she just started driving. She was going to she was going to drive to the beach and she wasn't sure what she was going to do from there because she just felt, I can't go on with life. If my dad's not going to be there, I don't think I can go on. But she heard a voice. <laughs> the voice told her to come to our office right then. <laughs> and so she, she's telling me this and, and she is just shaking. And she's really freaked out because she's really freaked out that she might be going mentally ill. That was really the thing that was, you know, on top of the sad news, she was traumatized by, oh, no, I'm, I'm losing my mind because she's shaking and, and, and upset and crying. And um, anyway, so I'm just like, okay, hi, we, can, we can help you. And it turns out she was very open to, to kind of talking to God about the whole thing. And I was just telling her, you know, what you're feeling right now is really normal. She was so scared of her emotions because she was raised in a family where you didn't do emotions. Yeah. You just kept everything kind of because people with emotions were scary people who were kind of crazy. So you got to shut down your emotions. And so just, you know, you just got really hard news. This is really normal. This is really normal what you're going through. And that kind of helped her too. And then, and then... Um, she was able to connect with Jesus and she got, Jesus just came in right next to her, started holding her, started telling her how much he loved her, how much he understood. And she calmed right down, um, went home, didn't have to go to the beach and do who knows what she was planning on doing at the beach. Um, called her a week later and sure enough, dad had gone to the hospital, gotten very sick and died very quickly. And she said, but it was amazing. I have this family and we're crazy and wacky and everybody does all these weird things and they're very hateful towards each other. But it was like it was, it was all orchestrated and everybody was so peaceful and everybody took their time with dad. And we were like all together when he died and it was beautiful and it was amazing. Yeah, because our heart, whatever we're feeling in our heart, he'll be with you. He will be, and that's what she just needed to know. And just having that recognition of that companionship changed everything. And apparently must have made a big difference in her family too. Just whatever she was carrying and the prayers. And so it was, it was wonderful um, just to see how God showed up for her. Now I want to talk about, um, couple guys in the New Testament, pretty familiar to you. Let's see, where are we? Um, the prodigal sudden story. Yes. There's a couple, um, couple young men. I think that honestly, the, both the prodigal and the, the younger brother and the older brother actually had an orphaned spirit. And I want to talk about that for a little bit. Both of them had behaviors that um, just indicated they, they didn't really know how much their father loved them. So in the, I know it's, it's, a, um, it's a parable, right? And we often see the father as being like a god 
accepting them warm, uh, warmly, accepting the prodigal back. But obviously there was something going on in their upbringing that made them both feel, just saying, just to kind of extrapolate the story out a little bit, there must have been something going on with their upbringing that uh, made them both have these kind of behaviors that indicated they didn't feel really the worth and value of their father. So I'm going to just um, read this um, from Luke 15:11. Jesus is telling this story. A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood, and not many days after, the younger son gathered everything together, journeyed to a far country, and there he wasted his possession with prodigal living. But when he began to be in want, um, he began to be in want, and he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. And that man sent him to the fields to feed swine. So I would suggest to you, I mean, we look at this young man and we think, oh, he must be so rebellious and just so selfish. I honestly think he was probably feeling something in his heart about who he really was. Like, I am something, and I'm going to make a difference in my life, and give me my money so I can go off and you know make my mark in the world and change the world. And I think he probably was feeling something like that. So I don't think it was all just being selfish, you know? I think he was really getting in touch with something. He just didn't realize he didn't have the maturity to go there yet. He was feeling, I think, his destiny. He wanted to go make it happen, right? Um, He didn't know that he could stay at home and receive the affirm that he needed a lot more to receive from his father yet before he was ready to launch out into his destiny. He was hustling. I heard Brenny Brown use that word. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's what that is, hustling, striving, And we get caught up in that sometimes, don't we? We want to try and make something happen. I have this prophetic word and I need to make it happen because it's in me. And and we feel that sometimes. But it also can indicate uh, there's still that empty place in our heart. We're trying to fill it so bad because we're feeling the yearning and the desiring to just so desiring to make a difference, to be something, to prove something. But we start striving when we're trying to do it on our own. Again, we can't do it out of that black hole. We can't do it out of an empty place. We can only do it in fellowship with him. And that's how that could happen. So as we know from that story, the prodigal does come to the end of himself. He's dying of starvation, literally. And feeling so unworthy. He comes to, you know, comes to his senses. Father, I want to go to my father and say, I have sinned against heaven and before you and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and he came to his father, but when he was still a great way off, his father saw him. And had compassion. And ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, 
bring out the best robe and put it on him. And um, my son was lost, and now he is found. So the, the son was now able to start receiving the affirmation his heart had already been so yearning for. Now he just came to an end of himself. Now he's able to receive from his father in a way like he'd never been able to before. And then we have the older brother, don't we? Remember him? The older brother. And I'd like to suggest that the older brother actually had yearnings and desires in his heart, but his strategy to cope was to shut it down and pretend like he didn't have any needs or wants. So we tended to go, I know I was, this was me, <laughs> shutting, you kind of shut down. And I will tell you, I think God is in the process of starting to revive some of the passion, my true core of my being. Um, and it's not always comfortable. <laughs> it is not. In fact, I get triggered just last week one about something. I'm like, dang, where'd that come from? And I realized, oh, wow, I really felt passion for something because I was so I'm so used to just just shut down and it doesn't really matter if it happens or it doesn't. That was my old, my old go to to manage my expectations to avoid getting hurt. So I think that's actually what was going on with this guy. He was so focused on performing and doing the right thing that he was not engaging his heart at all, his true passions, his true desires. He was just going through the motions and making it happen. So when he sees his brother get celebrated, it's like, what the heck? And, and the father's like, huh, this has always been available to you. You just did not, could not see what was, what was right in front of you, what was completely available to you the whole time. Nobody's holding you back from being celebrated. You just didn't believe you were worthy of being celebrated. Um, so I want to look at just a couple scriptures because the um, oops, um, Psalms are full of uh, what our heart needs over and over. The Psalms, and this is actually from Isaiah. God created you to be hungry. God created you to have wants and needs and yearnings and desires. So Psalm, uh, Isaiah 55, 1 and 2. Ho, ha ha, ho, everyone who thirsts, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come buy and eat. Yes, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend Money for what is not bread, and your wages for what does not satisfy. Why do we do that? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good. Eat what your Father in heaven is serving on his table of delights for you, because he knows you need it. And let and let your soul delight itself in abundance. Your soul was created to need to delight in abundance. It's in the word. You need that. You need to be able to enjoy, to be able to appreciate, to be able to enjoy beauty. You need that. You need the good things. We shouldn't be feeling guilty about that at all. And Psalm 36. They are abundantly satisfied with the fullness of your house, and you give them drink 
from the river of your pleasures. Hey. God wants you to drink from the river of, your, of his pleasures. God wants you to enjoy life. God wants you to enjoy him. God wants you to be full and satisfied. God wants you to continuously know that you are enough for him, that he delights in you, that he adores watching your life even when not much is going on. He adores you. He loves you. He's pleased with you. And you need to know that in your heart, not just your head. It's in there. It's in the word. It's in the scriptures. You need to feel his delight. You need to feel his pressure. You're supposed to be drinking it. You're supposed to be... Yeah, that's our God. That's our God. He's not up in heaven eating a pickle. Hmm? He's drinking wine at his table of pleasures and he wants you to come along and drink with him. Ah, and he alone is your rock and salvation. My defense, my fortress with God rests my salvation and my glory. My refuge is in God. He's the one we get to run to. We get to run to him. Anything else lesser that has, does not satisfy. Whoa. We just, it's time to just admit this doesn't satisfy me. This is not working for me. This old habit is not working. Just just admit it doesn't satisfy. Yeah? He satisfies. And if you have not discovered that yet, you start asking him, God, you have promised in your word, you will satisfy me. You will fill me. You will meet my needs. I'll be sitting around doing nothing and I will be satisfied in you. Because it's not about trying to prove anything. It's not about how well you minister or you prophesy, you preach, whatever. It is. It's him in you and you in him. It's, It's like my son looking at this little baby the moment she's born, looking at this baby going, oh, I adore you. I adore you. You're amazing. You're beautiful. You're gorgeous. He looks at you. He says, you're amazing. You're beautiful. You're gorgeous. I adore you. I just want to look at you. I just want to look at you because you're enough. You just being you is enough for me. Oh, hey, hey, hey. Here's another one. Here's another one. Your loving kindness is better than life, better than life. And my lips shall praise you. My whole being 
my whole being shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness and my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips he wants to satisfy you whenever you get to that place where you're going God I'm just feeling empty I'm just feeling like I'm not enough he's like I'll be right there just be right there give me a chance let me show you how I will be right there And for each one of us, it's going to look a little different. Give him a chance to show you how he wants to be right there and meet you. Be right there and meet you. That is his heart for you. Oh. And um, here's another one again from that same Psalm 63. Love this picture for those on the maybe listening on the podcast or whatever, a swan with their little, is it signets? Under their wings. Signets under the wings. So a picture of us being under the wings of God. Safe, protected, and watched over. You need to feel safe, protected, and watched over. God, you have been my help and in the shadow of your wings. I will rejoice. You are under the shadow of his wings. Whether you feel it or not, you are. It's the place he has for you. The place he wants you to be. In fact, why don't we just, um, just for a minute here, close our eyes. Close your eyes. And we're just going to ask Ask the Lord to show us. Lord, is there any area of my life where I really have felt that you were not paying attention, that you were not aware of, that you're not tuned into? Would you show me that part? Oh, show me what it is. Where do I believe you haven't really been taking notice where I haven't really believed I was important enough. What is it you want me to know? about how you will be for me in this place. And I've never been able to see before. And what do you feel about me in this place, God? Show me what it looks like to be 
bear in the shadow of your wings. You over me, you surrounding me. Woo. Show me what that looks like. Show me what that feels like. Smell his goodness there. Taste his delight in your life. How are you guys doing? You know, sometimes we just need to ask him questions <laughs> to get answers. And we sometimes just forget to do that, don't we? Hey, <laughs> we ask questions and we'll get new answers, new revelation. I want to just close with, with another story. One more story. <laughs> about another patient that came in to see me a little while, a few weeks back, and um, visibly very, very anxious. I'd I'd known her for a little while, Um, really anxious, really upset, pretty distraught. She had um, recently broken up with her boyfriend because she knew it wasn't a healthy relationship, Um. And was saying, well, oh, I'm, just, I'm just not doing very well. And I, I think I need to be on medication. But oh, I don't know. I'm so worried about all the side effects. I don't want to go on medication. So she's kind of doing this back and forth. I don't know. I don't know what I can do. I'm so worried about, about the side effects. I don't think I want to be on a medication. But I don't know how I'm going to keep going like this. Because I'm just... <sighs> so she was kind of in a, in a bind. So we just started talking to her about, about her life, about her upbringing. And... Um, she shared that, you know, growing up was was kind of hard because uh, the focus was really on our appearance and our performance. And I was beautiful. And so all the attention was I was beautiful. And um, that was the all-important thing. And I've come to the place in my life, and now she's, you know, pushing 50, probably 40s, 50. And uh, that does so does not matter to me anymore. But I do not know how to get my sense of well-being from any other source. I do. Know, I know that's not the answer. I know that's a dead end that is not taking care of me. Um, and because of that, I've, I've always needed a man in my life because I got my identity from being loved by a person, by needing somebody to be there. And she'd been divorced some years ago, and that really sent her into tailspin. And then more recently breaking up with this boyfriend, she did not know how to go on without a man in her life. So I asked about where she was spiritually and um, turned out, well, I've been going to church for about a year now, but, you know, it's okay. And so I asked her about, well, what do you, 
what do you think about when you think about God? And she's like, well, I was raised by parents who were agnostic because they had come from such legalistic upbringings. They didn't want us to have anything to do with God. So they pretty much just, you know, didn't want us to have anything to do with the church. So I guess when I think about God, I think about the universe out there, I guess. It's like, oh, wow, yeah. And so Holy Spirit gave me a a question to ask her. What is it you want God to be for you? And she just... She just broke open her heart and she said, I need to feel protected. And she just started weeping and weeping and weeping. I need to feel watched over. I need to feel somebody's there. And as she was weeping and weeping, the Lord just had me say over her, the shepherd's psalm. The Lord is your shepherd. You shall not want. He makes you lie down in green pastures. He leads you beside the still waters. He restores your soul and leads you in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yes, though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you will fear no evil. For you, for he is with you. His rod and his staff, they comfort you. He prepares a table before you in the presence of your enemies. And he anoints your head with oil. Your cup runs over, surely goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. And you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever and ever. And as I got done reading that over her, she just started embracing the love of God. And now there was tears of joy. And she's like, there's so much love. There's so much love. There's so much love. Her shepherd came and he put his arms around her and let her know he was there, a person involved, engaged, dedicated to her life and with her forever her protector, and her comforter. And she was like, I think I'll take one of those every morning. (laughs) Yes, 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 yes. Been in church for a year, but you see, God, she didn't, she had this idea of who he was, and it wasn't real personal. He's so personal. He's so much personal than, than I yet know. Yeah. He's so intimate. He's so connected. He's so aware. He's so created every single one of your emotions and every single one of your needs. And he so wants to meet you and be with you every step of the way. We have an a relational God. <laughs> 
That's who he is. From the beginning to the end and all the way, every step along the way. So I'm just going to pray over us, and um, it is about time to go get the children. So I would encourage you all, though, as we close, just um, if God's been speaking to you or showing you something about um, something, a new way he wants to be with you, I I would probably encourage you just to hang out with him or even come up to the altar and and just sit with him. Um, But if there are some of you who want prayer, um, we could have a few of the, maybe some of the um, prayer team people to come up. But why don't you ask God first? God? Is there something you and I should do together? Or should I, would it be better for me to get prayer? He'll show you. He'll talk to you about that. So Jesus, I just, uh, I just want to pray over you all. Jesus, I just, I just thank you. I thank you for who you are. I thank you, as we said earlier, for the, your name. The name that reflects every quality of your personhood every aspect of your personality, how the fullness of your glory, that name, that in your name is reflected everything we need from you. Everything we need from you is found in, in, in who you are. So I pray that in coming um, days and weeks and months, <laughs> you'd help us start getting a little more comfortable with our own hearts a little more willing to admit our needs and, and just more able to recognize what, what we really do need and, and what we really do need from you. Thank you, God, that you are so much more faithful than we could ever be, imagine. So much bigger, so much more fun. <laughs> and so worthy, and so worthy of all our love and adoration. I thank you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. So, yeah, prayer teams can come up if they'd like to do so.